Welcome to The Accelerators. Here for you are a series of tried and tested and proven real-world ideas to help you create and enjoy a business and a life of choice. The Accelerators, because success loves speed. And now we come to the interview of the month, and I'm delighted to welcome Jack Black. Let me tell you a little bit about Jack. Jack is the founder and course director of MindStore, the UK's leading provider of performance excellence and personal development training. Jack established MindStore in 1990. Over 300,000 people have embraced the MindStore approach, and with over 50% of the FTSE 100 companies included in an exceptional client list. Having previously worked in education and social sciences, and after witnessing the debilitating effects stress had on two of his colleagues, Jack decided to discover how stress could be managed and personal development harnessed to allow people to fulfil their potential. MindStore was the culmination of his findings and represented a radical, innovative approach to personal development in the UK. Jack based the MindStore philosophy on the need for people to have access to a simple set of mental tools and techniques. This offers a direct and practical framework which increases an individual's sense of self-belief, creativity, problem-solving, positive expectation and intuition. Jack's motivational style moves his audience to make massive changes in their way of thinking. It's inspiring and entertaining. His contribution to innovative change within organisations throughout the UK and Europe has created a reputation which is second to none. Jack's taught his MindStore programme to people as diverse as world champion athletes, premier club footballers, company directors, musicians, engineers and those in the financial world. Jack has written two best-selling books on the subject, MindStore, The Ultimate Mental Fitness Programme and MindStore for Personal Development. Recently, these two best-selling books have been republished as one, Jack Black's MindStore. Jack is a founder-director of the Entrepreneurial Exchange in Scotland, and among other accolades, the Scotsman newspaper in 1996 listed Jack as one of the top 25 individuals to shape the Scottish nation. In recent years, Jack has worked with international leaders in the field of organisational development to create a powerful new approach. And although he has a busy schedule, he still manages to fit in conference presentations as well as charity work. MindStore now has offices in the UK, France and Switzerland and Germany, so Jack's ideas are spreading across the world. As you gather, Jack has a vast knowledge about personal development, so let's go and hear the interview now. Well, hello, Jack, and thanks very much for being on The Achiever's Edge. How's life with you at the moment? Thanks, Peter, too. Yeah, fantastic, wonderful, really, uh, really busy, uh, really enjoyable, too. So, yeah, things are great. Excellent news. Now, Jack, you've been in the personal development field for over 20 years at least, and in 1990 you established MindStore. Can we start by you giving me the basics of the MindStore approach to increase success and well-being? Yeah, well, my whole approach to it, Peter, is, well, before we go any further, I think we we all agree that there's not a lot really new in our field. You know, it's been sort of regurgitated in all sorts of ways by all sorts of people, but the basic messages are the basic messages, you know. But my approach is to say that people's performance of their aspiration is determined by maybe getting their head around four or five characteristics. And I tend to sort of tease audiences by asking them, if they work in the corporate field, what brands do they personally associate with? Which ones do they think are really top-class brands, global brands of outstanding, and then I'll draw it down to human beings. And then I ask them what the characteristics of those human beings that are outstanding, and I kind of, like, my whole thing is to boil it down to, to four or five things. First of all, if they're going to really, really be extraordinary, then somehow or other they've always got the energy to keep going. So somehow or other they're managing their stress, because if you're in the field doing stuff, I mean, really, really doing stuff, things it's stressful. 
So um, managing it becomes critical. Second thing is that they're positive in their attitude. That's obviously not rocket science for the, your listeners, but nevertheless, it's really, really important. And negativity ain't going to do it. Sure. Third characteristic for me is that they're what I would call futurists. They're men and women who know exactly what it is they want to have, do or be. And once they commit to that thing that they want to have, do or be, then nothing's going to hold them back. But the more exciting thing for us is where those goals are set. And for me, it's to do with the breakthrough that happens, the Nobel Prize in 81, the left and right brain stuff. And what most people do is, my whole theory is, my whole argument is they set the goals with their left brain. And that's backed up by a lot of left brain theories around goal setting, which says goals should be realistic and achievable. Whereas my observation of extraordinary men and women is their goals are impossible and were not achievable or realistic by anybody else's standards. And so we, we're all about getting access to the left and right brain, bringing them together and creating goals in the right brain, not the left brain. And then beyond that, we've more recently got into managing emotions as well. So that's being prepared when bad things happen to be able to deal with it in a positive way rather than letting it push you down too far. Yeah, indeed, and to be able to deal with some of the underlying stuff that may be coming to your consciousness from maybe childhood or whatever, which maybe holds you back in terms of really, really believing in yourself or when things start to go wrong, or how do you over the hurdles, you're right. So it's just been aware of that sort of deeper programming that may exist in someone's mind just from previous experience as a child or culturally in their neighbourhood or indeed their family or whatever. Gotcha. Now, I know you speak at conferences all over the place and one of your subjects is about de-stressing. Can you explain how somebody de-stresses? Well, everything I do is tied into these four or five characteristics so inevitably I want to link the stress management area with accessing the right brain and so for us it's based on physical and mental relaxation techniques the physical relaxation counteracting the stress in the body anyway and the psychological relaxation relaxing the mind getting people away from their concerns and woes and being able to really really chill out recover from stress so it's for the physical thing of stress and it's a mental thing with stress Peter is the approach that I have Right does this link into the stuff that you talk about with alpha waves Jack? Yeah indeed we know from the studies into electroencephalography basically started back in 1927 when Hans Berger developed the very first then very crude electroencephalograph we, we started to get some notion of the brain having its own pulse in relation to activity in the brain and separate from the heartbeat and the electrical measurements have allowed us to, to basically figure out that there, there are four levels of awareness in the brain first of all the beta frequencies that we use from a wide awake which are associated with the left brain the alpha rhythm in the brain which is associated with daydreaming and what I tend to say to people is if you all accept usually an audience in front of me and people listening would acknowledge that they were wide awake at the moment and conscious and therefore those frequencies we tend to call beta frequencies they're usually between 14 hertz and about 26, 28, 29, 30 maybe, but average around 20, 21 cycles per second or hertz. And those things are called beta. But it was a beautiful summer's day and you were out sunbathing. Um, you would align your sun lounge or deck chair towards the sun, presumably put skin care on and stuff. But you would, you would lie back there and close your eyes and begin to relax. And very, very quickly your mind would shift from a state of being wide awake and alert to being relaxed and more importantly beginning to daydream. Uh, that daydream state is associated with what's called alpha frequencies. They're between 7 and 14 hertz. And those alpha frequencies we associate with both brain hemispheres. Then once you daydream long enough, sunbathing, you tend to fall off into a light sleep associated with what's called theta frequencies in the brain. 
And then every night in the sleep cycle, we actually fall into deep sleep, which is what's called delta frequencies. Now, because I'm interested in the left-right brain thing, then obviously what we're teaching folks to do is manage their stress by doing physical mental relaxation techniques, and those techniques will give them access to the right brain as the brain starts to level out into the alpha rhythm. So they get access to both brains, which is obviously then get the potential of genius since that's the observation I have of extraordinary men and women having that ability to use the right brain but what I've got to do with an audience is confront them with the power of the left brain which is the one that we've actually in our cultures was the one that school worked with up until going to school our brain was developing naturally and then when we get into school in the first I suggest in the first few weeks and months education's fairly balanced for most of us in, the, in school, when I was a child, certainly, and I'm certainly yourself, Peter, we would be introduced to the usual left brain stuff like the structure of language, the alphabet, counting from 1 to 100, simple reading and writing exercises, but also be maybe given paint to play with and maybe modelling with plasticine or something, and then more than likely maybe get some music and so on. And as time goes on, the education, certainly where I was educated, most people in the audience tend to agree, the education almost suggests that those subjects, art, music, aren't really that important. What's really important is arithmetic becoming mathematics and history and geography and economics and sciences and more of the structure of language and so on. So by the time we get to, say, 18 years of age, if you go all the way in an education at school level, then most of that's been left brain. So dominant thinking for most people's based in their left brain, which is understandable given their culture. But then that then suppresses the right brain's ability to imagine bold and wonderful futures. And Einstein himself, the great genius of the previous century, said repeatedly towards his death that imagination based in the right brain is more important than knowledge based in the left brain. He seemed to understand that even though at that time before he died, the left-right brain thing hadn't been really figured out. So if you were talking to somebody and you wanted to get them to really start to think big goals and impossible goals, they've really got to get into that right brain mode. So that's easy to say, but how do you get somebody? How would you get me now, Jack, to go into right brain rather than my classic left brain thinking that I've grown up with all these years? Yeah, well, obviously the, the, the approach is a training process. We can't just do it in two minutes. Most of the training I do is two-day experiences. Ah, right, got you. Which you know, I introduce it to them relatively early on. We work it through over two days. And by the time they've practiced about six, seven or eight times, they've kind of got control of it. And they feel the benefits immediately of this sort of stress management side of it. You know, because they're feeling much better. They know they're controlling the stress. And then the right brain's available, so we use visualization-type techniques and stuff. I confront them with a number of iterations of goal setting. So starting off with, well, you know, if time and money wasn't an issue and all the other things your left brain's telling you, what would you dare to dream about? And we kind of force them through a process of sort of warming up of, say, maybe even 30 goals, 30 things of aspirational things they'd like to do. And then we narrow it down over a number of iterations, allowing the right brain to really, really focus on it, understanding that the left brain wants to, at that point, really interfere and say, well, how are you going to do this? And do all that left brain analysis stuff. Yeah, makes sense. Down to strategizing, which obviously is what we're all being taught to do with the left brain approach. And we say, well, look, don't do that yet. Just let your right brain play with the goals and see what you come up with. Because nobody I know who's been extraordinary in history knew before they started out the strategy to get there. Um, that's just a fact. Um, and so what happens is the plan, the path that they take begins to unfold as they travel. You tend to find the great biographies talking about being in the right place at the right time and so on. So what I do is I really, really, really focus heavily on that right brain thing and then ultimately 
draw their attention to the fact there's a dilemma here and there's a tension here between fitting into society, especially if you're fitting into corporate land where I spend most of my time working. This need to be in corporate land with strategy and with personal development plans all measured out you know, very, very carefully versus letting your right brain really, really focus on what you really, really want to do and not worry so much about how you want to get there. So inevitably for anybody who comes in the program, they end up having to deal with that tension and that dilemma. But it seems to work for us. As you know, people have been very successful. Jack, this is the right point, I think, to say that if somebody was interested in going on that, and I certainly am, by the way, then where do they go and get the details? Is that... Uh, well, if you, check out, if you check our website, mindstore.com, M-I-N-D-S-T-O-R-E, Peter, mindstore.com, I'm doing less and less of the open programmes, though, because I'm so busy corporately. I mean, at the end of the day, my whole thing is to get this to as many people as possible, and if... A company is going to pay for hundreds or thousands to get it, then obviously I'm going to go there and get it out quicker. But I still do public courses, but I don't do as many as I used to. Fine, so details at mindstore.com. Excellent. Now, I did look at the website, and one of the things that's mentioned there was a little concept called the line in the sand. What's that about, Jack? Well, the line in the sand, Peter, is a week-long residential retreat that I do which I do maybe once a year or whenever I feel I've got to tell you, I can't give up a week of my life and most people can't either. I just occasionally do it and it's a fantastic piece of work. It's like the best piece of work I do kind of thing, but yeah. it's a luxury. And it allows people to really come away with us. And, you know, I group of about 20 people working through a process that I've developed, which allows them to really, really find out from deep within subconscious, as it were, where their life's really heading at this point. Because it's about change, about being very, very confident about the way ahead in terms of if you're in a place of change, what kind of goals, what kind of aspirations now seem to be coming into your awareness. And obviously we back up with the tools and techniques that allow them to actually go out and achieve. So it's a fantastic piece of work, but not for everyone and certainly not even for me all the time because I'm so busy. Let's take a different tack if I may, Jack. One of the things that you deal with is about leadership because I know you do lots of work with corporations as well as your open courses, as you've mentioned. So from your experience with the work you've done with leaders and the research that you've done, what would you say, for the sake of a figure, are the top three traits or attributes or virtues of great leaders? I think, uh, again, going back to the fact they're very, very clear about what the future looks like. So we assumed, and one of the things for me is they're very clear about that and commitment to making sure they get there. I think the next thing is that they have a passion for realising that they can't get there on their own and therefore the whole thing is about how they develop the people that they have in their charge or who they're leading, obviously, and a real, genuine, unbelievable, passionate commitment to getting the best out of those people, not, as it were, just for themselves in terms of if I get the best out of them, therefore I achieve a genuine willingness and a desire to help that person really, really grow and grow through being obviously aligned to the vision that the leader has. I think beyond that, the third thing I would say is a willingness for that leader also to learn and be prepared to risk and expose himself to learning. That would be, for me, what would be critical. I love the point that you're saying there, Jack, about the fact that leaders want their people to succeed regardless of what success it brings the leader, because that's just so important. That's when people know that you really care for them, isn't it? Yeah, and I've been in the company of a number of really important people recently in terms of the businesses that they run or they're responsible for managing. And it's to see that, but even if someone who's in their charge leaves to go and you know, work in another field or go to another company, they genuinely are pleased for them if they've been able to thrive in the time that they had them in their charge. And that's a genuine thing, I feel, from it's not just something they're saying to sort of look like they're a smart leader, but in fact, 
pretty certain it's coming from their heart. Now, on your blog, which I've also read, so I've done my research, as you can imagine, Jack, you've got 10 top tips for success. We haven't got time to go through all 10, but could you pull out a couple of key ones for me that would really help people be successful? I think one of the main things I would say is to really be very careful about your day-to-day, moment-to-moment thinking. Because we are aware, not only from more recent times with quantum physicists, beginning to sort of come in the scene with books and DVDs like The Secret or What Do We Know, uh, the quantum physicists explaining that the thoughts that we tend to have are more than likely to manifest. But that's been something we've been aware of for, as you know, for thousands of years. Sure. Hundreds of years in terms of people before you and I involved in this field. The truth of the matter is that the thoughts that we have, the dominant thoughts we have, will absolutely create a reality. So having a kind of awareness about thought and being very, very, almost somehow else setting alarm bells in your head when you find yourself running scenarios in your head of what you don't want or verbalising thoughts in our conversations that are personal put down or this won't happen or I don't deserve or whatever, you've really got to be in guard for those thoughts and really begin to almost as soon as you have them, immediately delete them. I use the term delete that program. It's a little catchphrase we develop for our clients. But basically, almost think of it as as something you're programming a computer with and immediately stop it and retype. In other words, rerun the thing you're running in your head in terms of it succeeding. Kind of have this inner battle because some of the most amazing people I've worked with, very, very successful entrepreneurs, Peter, they quietly and privately in moments of coaching say stuff like, you know, one of these days I'm going to get found out. <laughs> and they genuinely believe, you know, how did, how did I get here? And they've got massive self-doubt, even the most successful people. But what they do is they battle away inside themselves to overcome those doubts. You know, there's this inner conflict sometimes that's so immense, but the public never quite sees it or their staff never quite see it, but they've had to cope with that. And so for the ordinary men and women, we've really got to work at that, you know. So I would say being really, really positive. I think, again, as I said already, being really very, very clear about what is it you really want to achieve and be less concerned in the beginning about how you're going to get there. That's what all the textbooks tell us. But the extraordinary many women have never known in the beginning how they were going to get there. They just knew why they had to. And I think if you spend more time on why, Peter, rather than how in the beginning and let the how manifest as your creativity gets around it and you start to attract to yourself the opportunities, the people, the places, the possibilities, you'll find it all starts to fall into place. And so I encourage folks not to get hung up in the anxiety of, God, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I haven't got a plan. Even when I've been told in all these textbooks I should have, my thing is, no, 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 don't worry about that in the beginning. Really, really get focused on the vision of what it is, the goal that you want to achieve, and let all that stuff begin to manifest. And I think one of the other things I would suggest is just, I suppose seek out people who are like-minded, read books and biographies of success, you know, don't get caught up with the kind of day-to-day nonsense in our culture of, you know, involving gossip or putting people down or focusing constantly on the negativity of the news. I mean, one of the shocking things going on in the world right now, in my opinion, and certainly in the UK, uh, every night the media is telling us how the world's about to end in terms of the economy. And they're driving people into places of fear. So then in that fear, they don't invest themselves in the economy any longer. The economy starts to drift. People start to lose their jobs. And it's all because of thought. And as soon as we reverse the thought process, we start to build the economy again. To me, it's frightening how that's been manipulated, possibly for those who can make money out of it, because they can make money out of the economy being a mess. 
and so they put these kind of things out there. And, and it does concern me that folks are getting a real negative place about that. And the media seems to thrive on it, of course, as you know, it's very negative anyway. Indeed they do. Jack, look, some fantastic ideas there. We're right now at the end of our time together, this time anyway, because I'd love to have you back. So let me ask you the question I ask all of my guests. If there was one further idea, and it isn't something that we've discussed already, an idea you know would help anyone be more successful, what would it be? I think if you have a faith in an energy bigger than you and I, Peter, then to trust it and to put your trust in that faith, that would be something that would be important for me. I think I see all around the world, almost without exception, the people involved in the field, as long as you and I have, and who've been leaders in the field in their own way. Every one of them sooner or later starts to talk about spirituality. I think as you get older, I mean, we've kind of figured it's between the age of 36 and 42, that begins to dawn on you there's something more about life than just yourself. And the spiritual thing begins to come in. Now, if anyone listening has got a resonance towards that, then really put a wee bit more thought in there, a wee bit more faith with that. And I think you'll find, whatever that belief is, I'm not spouting one particular belief, but if you've got something there, then that, I think, will give you an added advantage. Well, Jack Black, what can I say? That was just some fabulous ideas, things that people can take away and use immediately, particularly the idea about getting in touch with that right brain and those alpha waves. Jack, I really appreciate you spending the time. I know you're so busy. Thank you so much indeed. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So what do we learn from what Jack had to say? To start with, he stated that he looks for five characteristics of successful people. Extraordinary people keep going. They're good at managing the stress. They have a positive attitude. They are futurists. They know what they want to have, do and be. They use both brains, left and right. They're good at managing their emotions. Now, that's a great list for you and me to check ourselves against, wouldn't you agree? Jack then talked about the various waves, beta, normal thinking, alpha, daydreaming, then down through theta and delta, and how to manage stress through mental techniques using both sides of the brain and the different waves. I loved Jack's question that he uses with audiences, namely, if time and money wasn't an issue, what would you be prepared to do? He made another, and for me, very important point when he stated the why we want a goal is far more important than how we're going to achieve it. Jack also talked about some key traits for leaders, namely knowing the direction and being focused on helping their people being the very best they can be, even if those people subsequently leave, and regardless of what success it brings the leader. His top tips included, be careful about our day-to-day and our moment-to-moment thinking. And his final point, to have faith in something bigger than ourselves. I love Jack's way of making so clear the obviousness of so much personal development. He really is a master of the art. If you've enjoyed our session today, why not head over to our website where we have loads of resources on product creation, on sales, on marketing, and of course, on personal success. That's at theaccelerators club.com. I'll see you there.